Welcome to Thinking Reimagined. Thinking Reimagined is a unique platform for thoughts provoking intergenerational dialogue in a diverse and inclusive setting with a focus on impactful change in the global workplace and community. Our stakeholders' conversations aim to spark thought, leadership, curiosity, engagement, collaboration, and learning amongst individuals, teams, and beyond. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode. episode and subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other outlets. Today's discussion is going to center on the contributions of diaspora remittances to sustainable development. It is impossible to speak about sustainable development emerging worlds without looking at the issue of remittances. We're all well aware that remittances not only contribute to the economy, but it has become a lifeline for many because it is their only source of revenue so that they can survive. And in many cases, contributions go to their micro businesses. In this past year of 2022, we are told that the amount of remittance that has come to the African continent is over a hundred billion dollars. Much of this goes to sub-Sahara Africa, and um, no surprise to those of you in Nigeria that Nigeria is the largest recipient of remittances. Um, it is estimated that though the number dropped since 2018, it is still at over $20 billion. In some, in places, some places, there has been an increase in remittances in Rwanda, Kenya, and a few other countries. Interestingly, I am told that South Africa also sends remittances to other African countries, which is of no surprise to anyone who is here today. Nifemi, thank you for joining us as always, and I would like you to just uh, take a moment and introduce our guest today. Welcome, everyone. Glad to have you join us again on this episode of the Thinking Reimagined podcast. Yeah. Add to that, Dr. Ama, that um, we've seen an upsurge of the number of African citizens seeking opportunities abroad, especially in West Africa. So the figures you're quoting is expected to are expected to increase significantly in the coming years. Yeah, last year was twenty billion dollars of financial inflow into Nigeria. It's expected to increase as much as twenty six million in two years. Welcome again, everyone. Let's talk about um, the contributions of diaspora remittances to sustainable development. We're joined by Stanley Onwara, the online banker, financial advisor, passionate about small businesses, fintech, and the economy. Stanley is popular on social media for his creative way of empowering people with uh, financial knowledge and impactful information. And we'll be gleaning more of that on this episode. Stanley, thank you for joining us again. It's good to be here with everyone. We're also joined by Enidia Uwaujike, who is the CEO of a group. Over group is an international consultancy based in the UK and Nigeria. And it offers pragmatic financial advisory and project management solutions. She's also a director of Ohafia Microfinance Bank. She's the forensic auditor, Commonwealth businesswoman. She's coming on the podcast 
this hour uh, with over 20 years experience in the financial service industry, a certified consultant in banking, finance, and allied matters. Thank you for joining us on this uh, podcast today. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And we must not forget our executive director, um, Nifemi. Executive director, you're talking about um, co-producer, Dr. Tama? Yes, our co-producer, co excuse me. I it to must be the fresh air from Seychelles. <laughs> Dr. Tama is joining us from Seychelles, um, entrepreneur, behavioral consultant and resilience coach. Uh, she's the immediate past chairperson of the British Business Group Nigeria and currently chairs Africa Sustainable Trade. Uh, thank you for joining us as well, Dr. Amon. Peter Amon Boyer is here, co-producer of the Thinking Reimagine podcast. Mr. Boyer is an actor, a filmmaker, an art director, and the list uh, is endless. Um, Mr. Boyo, I'm sure we'll also join this conversation because um, I want to assume that you have contributed tremendously to the $20 billion uh, that mm -hmm. Nigeria gained in the last year from remittances. <laughs> I'll add... leave that one to the panel. <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us. And once again, if you're joining us on live stream, we welcome your questions, comments, and interactions. And don't forget to follow us on Thinking Reimagined and follow everyone on the panel. It's gonna be a great insightful discussion. And welcome again to Thinking Reimagined. Well, thank you for that. Welcome to everyone. You know, I, I want us to start this conversation really um, based on the figures that we've just had. And we know that those numbers possibly According to the World Bank's report that I just read recently, the numbers could go up by about 1.4% of that sort. We don't have the numbers for this year, but it's expected to go up a little bit, although there has been a decline in certain countries. But I want to start by posing a, uh, just a question to Stanley, um, the online banker, as we would continue to address him over here, because we're not even sure if these figures are absolutely accurate, given the fact that some of these transactions are occurring informally amongst families and friends. So not necessarily going through the um, central bank in, in the manner that the policy has been written. So we're not really capturing all of the data, are we? Yeah, we are not. Um, thank you, thank you, Dr. Arma. Thank you for everyone being here. What, what's happening currently in Nigeria is that we've, we've, seen, we've seen the export of Nigerians to every other part of the world. And with that exports, we expect inflow to have increased across board. But um, there are factors that you have you, you can highlight why um, the remittances might have dropped. Maybe you could call about the inflation around the world. So the inflation has spread around the world. So a lot of people are trying to are trying to balance their life. They're trying to live. So you know they are sending less money. So that's on one part. But the major, the major problem that has happened in Nigeria, I'll use Nigeria as case in point, is that the rise of cryptocurrencies, especially the stable coins, and the policy of the government has created a friction. Within that aspect, there's been a gap. And that gap is where the 
where the young people have seen an avenue to make something for themselves. So you see companies, fintech companies that have come up to fill up that gap. And what is that gap? You want to send money from the US to Nigeria, you want to go through Western Union, or you want to go through RIA or one of the um, IMTOs, the International Money Transfer Operators, that you want to send money to your mother in, in Abuja or Lagos. Now, if you were to go through that route, you go there, fill up this form, fill up this form, get this code to send to that person. They ask you, are you sure? Yeah, I'm really sending this money to someone due to the um, nature of Nigeria in the international space um, about, about internet scams and all that. So all those procedures, you just send your money in quotes and then they've made it easier you know, with the apps and all. So people don't want to go through the stress. What they do is that they go and buy USDC or USDT. With USDT or USDC, if I want to send $5,000, I buy USDT. So USDT is a stable coin that you is a cryptocurrency that is a stable coin. So you just take that USDC and you send to, you ask the person for a wallet, create a wallet with Binance, create a wallet with any of the, any of blockchain or any of them. And once the person receives, has a wallet, the person sends it to you, in less than five minutes, you've transferred $5,000 worth of USDC to that person. There are Telegram channels that buy this on that's all they do. I know companies in Lagos that that's, they have staff strength of close to 20 to 30, and that's just one. There are numerous companies like this that all they do is buy these stable coins from people around the country. You advertise this on WhatsApp or your or your story on Facebook, on Instagram. Oh, I have $5,000 USDC to sell. And somebody's bidding at the current market price. So the current market price at the bid or the rate that it is the parallel markets, we're talking about the black market, not what the central bank is quoting in the IME window. So you are selling this, all those transactions can take you less than 20 minutes. Now it has cut out that brokerage that you have gone to until that we have that you have gone through if you're going through the traditional banks. And because the young people, most of the people that are now sending back this money are within the ages of say 18 to, to 50. So they are looking, they are more tech savvy. They are looking at the avenues that will be, will be, will be hassle-free for them. And that has created an informal, informal um, market for remittance in Nigeria. And the CBN has actually decried this. They've come out to say, oh, the, the, they're going to sanction these people because, but there's nothing they can really do unless they create policies that enable, that enable the average man to walk into the bank and make it seamless for them. And that way you can attract them. And they have actually these tools. And I think that the new CBN governor that is coming up in Nigeria will look towards that. That way the inflow comes into the country, counts for the country. It helps the Naira in the long run because you know scouting has remittance and all that. And then it's being disbursed through the, so you have proper tracking, you have proper reporting and all that. So that's part of why I feel like the remittance in Nigeria, the figures that we have are not reflecting as much as the remittances that we're getting. You know, now um, you've brought up so many very valid points. You've talked about technology, the use of technology and how the youth use technology with great ease. Um, you've also talked about or referenced the fact that we're not keeping accurate data. But you've also spoken about how remittances are insinuated or uh, that uh, remittances do help the economy. And, and we know that for a fact, because in many cases, if you look at the remittances that are coming into our country and you look at the 
the um, the imports or the exports, you know, it doesn't quite balance out. So there is power in these remittances to the economy and therefore essential in terms of growing businesses or also growing development in a country. What do you think are some of the things that we should take into account to improve the ease of doing business so that these types of avoidances, for lack of a better word, actually become part of the seamless process and transaction so that it is captured. Because at the end of the day, if you can capture all of this information, doesn't it make the country more viable for foreign investments? It does. So um, uh, you, you you pointed out two things that I would I'll just like to address them. So the one is that you mentioned the that the remittances count for the development of the country, and that's it's actually what it does, because most of the money being sent back are sent for different reasons. So one of which is that most people are sending back money to enable their family members start up businesses, SMEs. So I tell my uncle. Cool. Oh, I, I, I just finished school. I'm not doing anything. I want to start up. I have this business idea. I think it will cost me about um, 800000 to start. He says, you know what? I'll send you $1,000. Or you have, so you have that across board. So it's a form of funding for MSMEs that's supposed to help reject the economy. So it's in itself, it's a development. And that money coming in comes into even FDI, people coming to build, people trying to build real estate. I sell my I tell my uncle that, oh, Abuja is a really good spot right now for you to invest your money. I think you should build a unit of five-bedroom flats across one, across maybe Guarimpa or one area. He says, oh, do you really know this area well? And he starts to send money for this building to go on. So that's from, that's a form of FDI, foreign investment into Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. for the government to be able to capture this, which counts for us as a country, we need to look at the policies. What have we done to discourage? What have we done to create a disconnect? And one of which is that we, we had excluded certain items from you know, being, being able to access the forex. We had said you can't transfer anyone. If you, for you to go and go to the bank, you can't just walk into the bank and say you want to open an account. So I'm going to use domiciliary accounts now. If you want to open a domiciliary account in any Nigerian bank, you go to the bank, ask for account opening form. You're, when they are done filling the account opening form for you, they will tell you that they can't give you dollars or euro or yen or whatever currency that you're trying to, because they have about four in Nigerian banks. They will tell you there's somebody outside they will call, probably one malam that will bring $100 for you to the bank for you to open your account. So this is the bank telling you to go outside the bank to credit an account you're opening with them. So that disconnect is not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be, I walk into the bank, I say, oh, I have 100, I have 50,000 there, and I want to open an Akidam Celera account. I'm like, okay, take this money and they aid you in funding your account within the bank. That way, it creates a trust system and it will shut out some of the black market players that ordinarily would have taken out this information that the banks would have been able to house. So we, as a country, we should look holistically at some of this approach. Still, there are still reasons for KYC and other things that the banks will look at. But one, it's something that we can do. We can do and do very well. And I think they will look into it pretty soon. You know, you mentioned what I would reference as um, inclusivity of um, multiple players. So it's not just for those who have 
you know, corporate businesses or small to medium, because many of these businesses you're talking about and references are micro businesses. You know, the funding that comes is for micro businesses, micro too, too small. Um, so integrity is important in terms of having that relationship and that trust, but also inclusivity. What about the stability of the currency? Doesn't that also affect the remittances that are coming into the country? And Uwa, please join the conversation, um, uh, please. She's, she's are you muted? muted? I, yeah, you're muted. Sorry, with regards to your question and the informality of most of the remittances, um, the online banker also forgot to mention one other source of informal channels, friends and family. There was a report done by um, repeat that 50% of actual remittances through informal channels are larger than what is actually recorded. So it was done by DP repeat and everything. So in terms of um, his idea about cryptocurrency and everything, there, that might be for, like he mentioned, for an age, the age, generation of between 18 to 50. Some, some of, some, unfortunately, some people are also not so techly, tech, tech savvy that they actually use those means to do some remittances. I remember some time ago that um, the CBN introduced some programs in which to try to encourage remittances to Nigeria. That I think Naira for dollar, where for every $1 you receive, the bank in which you um, collect the money through the IMTOs will pay you five Naira extra. Unfortunately, the objective of CBN was, was not really seen by the people, the beneficiaries of the remittances because some of them wanted to receive the dollar being sent in foreign currency because of the exchange rates different, uh, different in the, like now for example, if you're buying exchange rate from the bank, it's less than if you're buying it from a black market. So some of them want to go collect the money in dollars instead of collecting it in Naira. So that objective in which CBN introduced that program, we did not really fall through. They also introduced one they call the LT200 program where for exporters, for every dollar, for every dollar you receive in non-oil exports, you are paid 65 Naira. Then for, like he said, some of the items that are not registered, you're paid 25 Naira. So I think remittance, as far as I'm concerned, is actually very, very, very important, both in economic growth and even in, as an individual. Because remittances, sometimes, like he said, some people will call their uncle and aunt, oh, I want to start a business. Can you send me this money? Because I remember a project that our company was done, was told to do in 2018. We're supposed to set up a, a Palmer factory. The, the mentor, that's my, my client, was a retired pensioner. He wanted to go to his village but he has been so busy working all his life. So he was like, well, I can't go to my village and not do anything. You need to set up something for me to do. Most of his children are not in Nigeria. They're all working abroad. 
So I was like, okay, no problem. Let me come and see what can be done in your, in your area. And most of the, his village is a rural area. It's agriculture. There are pantries growing everywhere. When I mean everywhere, literally, by, if you walk two steps, you're, you're seeing a pantry. That's how we came up with the idea about setting up the palm oil thing. But as usual, he didn't have that enough equity to do it. So he decided to fall back on his um, children. And like uh, the online banker said, they now decided to remit money to us to be able to fund those things. And the, the palm oil factory is doing so well where it has employed 80%. It has improved the, local, the locality of the place where the palm oil is located. Where a situation where a, a villager who couldn't even speak English can actually tell you the different parts of a machine. Am I, uh, Dr. Ma, can you still hear me? Hey, you. Someone else here. Huh? Oh, sorry. I it was yes, uh, okay. quite, uh, I thought I'd lost. I thought I'd lost everybody. Sorry. No, no, we're still here. We're listening. Okay. okay so, and um, if the even for example, if um, time will permit me, I can I can play a video, maybe some doing the stuff of where we did an interview of one of the staff that could explain the use of a machine. This is someone that before then. He didn't even know how a machine looked like. He didn't even know how. I, I'm, I'm amazed because sometimes people don't know the importance remittance actually contributes to the economy unless you're part of part of the conversation, unless you're part of the transaction. Because we started the project from start to finish, I could see the difference that that uh, factory is an SME, is a startup. Because we started from scratch, we record, we incorporated it, we bought the equipment, we did the person, the personnel recruitment and everything. I could see the impact that that money that his kids sent as remittance to him. Because to them, oh, I'm trying to make to them, I'm trying to make my dad happy. But they don't know that the remittance they did had a multiplier effect on the community. Because this is, this is a community where then they could, um, if someone is paid five, maybe gets 5,000 Naira in a month, they feel like a king. But yet, when we started the factory, some of them were being paid 40K a, mo a month. And some of them could roof their broken houses, touch, uh, touch houses, and could send their brothers and sisters to school. So in my view, whenever I remember, there's a report that um, IFAD did some time ago on the contribution of um, remittance to economic growth. And I see that it was able to at least, it contributes to at least seven of the SDG sustainable development goals. It does, it contributes to no poverty, zero hunger, quality education, um, economic growth, clean water, to mention just a few. Well, Hello. there is, there, there, we can hear oh. you and, you know, we, we agree 
very much with what you're saying is that um, remittances do help in in terms of the potential for economic growth and of course for people yeah. to be gainfully employed and touching on some of those SDGs um, but you brought up something very interesting and I think um, the online banker as well did when he talked about the use of cryptocurrency and other avenues of um of um, carrying on these transactions, that it's so informal, it's not part of the traditional path that these transactions occur. But part of that reason, I would argue, is that the cost for having these transactions is exorbitant. When you think about the fees, those fees that people must pay um, to have these remittances come across can be quite steep. Um, and so going to their families or using crypto becomes a viable option. Um, certainly one that does not take into account or is not taken into account when you look at the actual figures for a country. Now, my question for you is how do we increase the transparency of these kinds of transactions? If it does improve the viability of a country because it is contributing to the GDP, if it does become more if the country becomes more attractive to foreign investment how do we now begin to capture this data um because it is certainly viable and important for further investments in the country okay is that today? either one of you i mean we're having oh, okay. a discussion we're not having oh, okay, this yeah. is not a panel it's a discussion so any one of you can answer <laughs> um, the question or be part of with it regards, with regards to that because I know that I know that, for example, the the gaps in statistics from several countries might be due to different policies of the different countries. Like, for yeah. example, what is applicable in Nigeria might not be what is applicable in the UK. So, unless I, I don't know how possible it is, unless they standardize maybe the policies with remittances, like for example, in accounting. There's a standard uniform way of doing accounting records in all countries. And everything, if they can yeah. apply something like that to remittances, I believe that can help too, because that is also what, what um, causes. Hello? Yeah, That's can also hear what you. causes most of this, the issues there. Um, um, Mr. Online Banker, can you add to that, please? Yeah, yeah. So I want to take it from there. So part of um, stick it up from you too. You know, creating a stand, creating a standard across board for the banks as a means of like reporting is one. The second, the like she mentioned, like transparency. So you, we need, we need as a country, we need to look at what is peculiar to us, our own system, because the one of the challenges that we do have is that we. We create we create templates from other from other uh, nations from other nations that have done something similar and we just apply it um, we just apply it blindly. We're not looking at okay how does this work for Nigeria? What are the peculiarities of Nigerians? And how can you break this down? Even breaking it down to zones. If you come down to Nigeria, most of the remittances that come into the country can come down. Can be broken down further, just not just when you, when you bring it down. Say okay, remittances. Now, sorry, can you hear me? I think someone's. Some, I see doctor's um mic is on. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm wondering, even me myself, I'm wondering. Yes, you are. You, you are audible. 
when you break down the remittances into the country, it's now even different. It's, it's broken down into the north and the south. Then when you look closer from the north and the south, it now comes down to, um, to the regions, the southeast, the southwest. When you come down to the regions, the type of remittances that come into those sectors even is broken down further. If you go to the southeast, for example, when you move to the southeast, a lot of money sent to the southeast goes to burials, traditional weddings, and building houses in villages. So you'll notice that when you look at it in this, when you break it down into the spectrum, you can say, okay, these people are building, these people are sending our remittances for mostly construction work, mostly buildings. How can we look at something tailored for the country that can attract more of this to this area? Since we know that this is what they do, is a national policy. You come down to the Southwest of Nigeria, a lot of the remittances still comes down to, you know, burials, um, um, weddings, and then businesses too. Just like in the South, they do a lot of businesses. So I wouldn't take that out. Businesses are cross board around the country. But I'm now specifying, okay, some of these are, these are some of the things that are more prevalent in these areas than this. So how can you create a national policy that addresses the whole nation and then addresses to each region as they are? And then how can you, for the people that are lacking behind, how can you take the examples that you have from the, from the remittances in this area to apply it in as a national policy to attract more of that investment. That's one. Then secondly, we'll go down to, we'll go down to the method of collection. So why, while you, while you try to free up, um, while we try to create our reporting system for, for KYC to make sure that there isn't fraud you're not allowing people to, um, to try to defraud people outside the country using remittances as an excuse so that anybody doesn't just send money, which is some of the policies that the banks already have. Now, the country can come up with a national policy, one of which is we already have BVNs. We already have means of identification that you can, you can last directly with other countries that you as a, as a sovereign nation, you're taking, you taking this, okay, Tell those people to just send money to BVNs. And then at the point of BVN, we know how we're going to cascade it down. Just make it easier. Walk into any bank with your BVN or with just your name and go and do your biometric. You must do your biometric capture when you just go and use your thumbprint or they use your face because your BVN and all that. And you receive your money in any bank, no stories told. So now it cuts out some of the things that you would require people to have technology people to have maybe smartphones and all, which some of some people are excluded from because not everyone has access to a proper smartphone. So people still use the, the Nokia, the touchlight phones and the rest. So, but, but most of them do have BVN because they have regular bank accounts. Even if they don't have accounts with a commercial bank, they have with microfinance banks close to them. So that way it takes out, it takes out that, um, that bottleneck and reduces the chain and helps that remittance. So we as a country, we need to create a national policy that addresses this. I would say that if I was, if I was put in charge, we, we should have a ministry for, for remittances. We should have a ministry of remittance, of diaspora and remittances in Nigeria. Because for, for, for remittance to account for over, for close to 40% of, or 30% of your inflow as a country, it's important. It's something that you should pay keen attention to, but I don't think we're doing that.
This is the Thinking Reimagined podcast, sponsored by Allied Empowerment. Allied Empowerment Consultancy offers leadership and innovation through bespoke human development solutions, brain-based leadership, and coaching. Allied Empowerment empowers business leaders, teams, and individuals to intentionally accentuate desired outcomes built on trust, curiosity, psychological safety, engagement, and communication. Allied Empowerment, thriving in a sustainable and valued manner. Perhaps we should just, um, you know, expand the responsibility of NEEDCOM, Nigerians and Diaspora Commission, to cover that. Opening up new agencies would just mean, you know, opening up pockets to siphon funds. So following this conversation, I'm able to, you know, see that first we've established the importance of remittance, you know, from the figures and, you know, the examples we have quoted. We've also talked about fine-tuning the process. And I think that's where the online banker talked about, um, uh, someone raised the issue of minimizing the transfer fees. I just wanted to call attention to the fact that it's even an SDG, you know, it, it's a sustainable development goal, particularly reducing it to, I think, I think the figure is less than 3% by 2030, uh, the transaction yeah. costs of migrant remittances and things like that. It, it's yeah. hard to tell how committed countries of the world are to that goal. Uh, uh, there's also, you know, the responsibility that comes with um, taking such initiative back at home in Africa. But I want us to explore another interesting angle to this because we're looking at the funds. You know, we're talking about money sent for businesses and things like that. Yeah. Can we also, how important is, you know, remittances in form of skills and knowledge and learned experiences? You know, our president has been in quite a number of countries recently. The last place it was is in the US on the sideline of the of the UN General Assembly. And at the presidential town hall meeting he had with Nigerians and diaspora, he talked about the need for them to return home. Usually when people return home, you know, they think of returning home as, now I've made some money, let me go and build a house or start a business. But oh, how important is the skills, the knowledge, you know, in different areas and sectors of the economy, how impactful do you think it would have? I mean, how much impact do you think it will have, you know, returning to Africa? Perhaps we can explore that a little. When you asked the question, what came to my mind was the ADB um, forum that was held in December where the president mentioned that African governments need to create opportunities for those living abroad and those that want to come back so that they can contribute meaningfully to the national development. Because most times, whether we like it or not, people don't leave because they don't like Nigeria. They leave because the circumstances and the situation or living conditions in Nigeria does not help them or does not favor them being able to take care of their families. We are giving, putting three square meals on the of a place of food on the table, being able to take the, give um, good quality education to their kids. So until we create as a government, create those opportunities, I don't think that many of them will want to come down. Like look at, for example, the health, look at the health industry, for example, 
a situation where even our politicians, instead of going to a Nigerian hospital, will prefer spending money to go abroad to cure themselves. Do the people, as my dad would say, do the people abroad have two heads and we don't? I don't, I, I think that is a very, very, very important thing we need to create because for you to come back, you have to come back to something because you cannot come back to nothing. And he mentioned, I remember when he was saying that since the inflow is rising and is, is a bit stable, it has been rising and it's going to be stable, that African countries should look at a situation where they can secularize the funds and get financing for African countries. That means they will use the funds as collateral. Because imagine a situation where in 2022, our, the remittance alone was 5% of GDP. You can use that to go and get money, you know, cash, as they call it uh, in banking, cash back lending. And get, or then you now use that money and create infrastructures in the country. Because if it, I'm sure it is you, if you have a good job in the UK and you don't have anything to come back to in Nigeria, would you come back? And if I mean, no. you wouldn't. So they need yeah. that opportunity in Africa for you to want to come back because it, it's that I'm living to go and make my life better does not mean I love Nigeria more, less than I love where I'm going to. Talking about creating opportunities. You know, I wanted to, um, just for me, I don't know. Okay. Talking about am, creating am I, am I audible? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, no, go ahead, Nefemi. I think Nefemi was saying something. So I'll just wait for Nefemi to complete his statement. I just wanted to follow up on what we were uh, cited about, you know, creating structures and opportunities back at home for individuals who have gone out to return. You know, we've talked about how remittances have helped poverty, you know, reduction, human capital development, entrepreneurship, and the rest. But the other side of it that is hard to tell if you know, we have, we have quoted the figures, $100 billion, $20, $20 million in Nigeria in the past year. But have we also been able to evaluate and account for the issues of volatility, of dependency, how much we're losing to brain drain and several other governance issues? So um, instead of saying, let us create structures back at home for them to return to, are we not even going ahead of ourselves? Perhaps we should begin by creating structures to retain the resources who are in a haste to leave. Because um, we're looking at this from the point of view of those who have left. Are you also considering how much Africa is going to lose with the rate with which young people are leaving our country yeah. and all that yeah. on the continent? Yeah. You know, Nifemi, um, I... you bring up a very strong point. I don't know if I'm audible, but um, yes, I'm audible. There are many important points that have been raised so far. And um, these are some of the things that we at Africa Sustainable Trade are addressing as well. Africa is a young continent. And whilst much of the conversation is focused on Nigeria, we have to remember that we're a global platform and people leave their countries, whether it is Africa, whether it's India, whether it's the Philippines, they leave for a better life because they don't feel secure or they don't feel like there are opportunities. So it becomes incumbent to create those opportunities and to give people the viable skills and education and investment in the local economy. 
when we continue to speak about remittances that are being used for weddings and funerals and all of those things, they're not actually going to yield. You know, once that money goes through that system, it's gone. We need to encourage people to use these remittances to educate, to start businesses, to scale their businesses, because that's the only way that you can begin to see growth. Otherwise, it's a one-stop channel in terms of the funds coming in. I have to tell you, it is raining right now in Seychelles, and I may have to move because I actually sat outside for a different podcast. But if it continues at this rate, I will have to take a few minutes to go inside. So in terms of sustainable growth, the funds that come through, if you're lucky to be able to leave and you can remit money to your family, then it is incumbent for your family to invest that money into a business, into education, into skills, because you, we, we want people to stay. Don't forget this, people continue to come into Africa and they come in because they see opportunities. If they can see those opportunities and you've got the population, there has to be a merging point. And that is part of what people should begin to see. The greatest export from Africa is people. The greatest import should be education skills and the people who will merge to create an economy that is not reliant on remittances. There's a heavy burden on remittances. And I think that is also affecting um, currency rates. Um, it's affecting the ease of doing business. It's affecting the attraction for others to come and invest on the continent. I'll take it from you. Like you, you made excellent points. Just like Nifemi pointed out, um, would you we could use a country like India as as a case study? India has India was able to create an education system that encouraged IT, and they became an export. They became an export hub for IT jobs and IT IT personnel around the world. So it's evident in, in the CEO of Google and the rest and, you know, and top tech firms. Now it has created another wave of people coming back to India to see how they can develop India. And that is where, that's where just like Ua said, it comes down to the government. There's a limit to what we can do as individuals. It still then has, you need the government to enable that return. And that return is just creating the base for companies to say, you know what, we have Nigerians that are in their numbers in the US coming back. Okay, Nigerians that have done, there are social doctors or health healthcare providers in the US in their numbers. So we're coming back to bring something similar to healthcare in Nigeria to become a hub. And you have other African nationals around the world that have similar um, similar skills that they could bring back to their countries. But you don't want to come back to a country where you are done setting up and five years later, there's no consistency in policy or there's no consistency in, in ideas within, within political parties and the rest. And there could be a friction and you are either hunted down or shut down. So we need that consistency for people to know that, okay, even while we have gone as an export from Africa to the rest of the world, and we are trying to bring back our skills, our resources back to develop 
the people that are back home, there's an enabled environment, and not just that it's an, an enabled environment, that it is consistent and sustainable. So it's something that we, as the conversation still keeps on going, that we still need to, because we, conversations like this give rise to, give rise to policies, give rise to ideas, and I think we should keep having it. Well, I'm so glad you said that. I think, oh, oh, um, oh you are muted. I wanted to add something real quick. Oh, um, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, we've been talking about remittances, but I think there's a lack of education to the recipient or benefactors of these remittances because I'll take Nigeria for, as an example, receiving remittances is not a gift as most Nigerians think, or oh, somebody sending money from abroad and they squander that money. They don't think about what that money is supposed to be used for. There are many cases of remittances being misused or stolen or um, siphoned or whatever. And also there's also the, um, well, we didn't talk about the physical um, or informal remittances, which is people actually carrying cash. I don't know how much of that is um, data is um, acquired or anything, but I think we should also talk about that a little bit, the education of the recipients, because a lot of people just think they're gifts. My brother is abroad, he's sending me dollar, end of story, cash cow. So okay, I think um, what you're referencing, what you're referencing, if I may, Peter, is people who become dependent on those yes. remittances because they expect them every month. And so why, why go and um, find a job? I mean, in some cases, they're very limited jobs. But why put myself out? I know that X amount of money is going to come every month and I will have access to it to survive as opposed to X amount of money is coming and I can use that to invest in myself by starting a business, by getting my education, by learning skills and hopefully creating like um, the online banker mentioned hubs where people, young people come together to develop something. When you think about businesses, the, the, um, businesses that are started by individuals is group of people coming together to do things, you know, cooperatives, um, those kinds of things are important. So it, it, the owners says those who are sending it to be mindful of what they're sending and the purposes that they're sending it for, um, at the same time to hold people accountable for the funds that they're receiving so that they're implementing in that improves their, their livelihood as opposed to becoming a dependent. I mean, why do people want to become dependent? The person who is working abroad is also working to make this money. Incidentally, we didn't talk about this, but part of the reason why there's a decrease in remittances, um, which people don't talk about, is the inflation. Inflation is affecting everyone. So if you're abroad, you're dealing with inflation. You're dealing with the high cost of living. So you're sending less than you would have two, three years ago. Um, and you're also dealing with the, the the taxation, you know, the taxation that you have to do, the more money you earn abroad, the more you have to pay in taxes. So to shrink the amount of funding that is that is um, coming over here, um, something crossed my mind when um, the online banker was speaking, talking about um, investments. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if the um, channel 
funds that people are using to transfer these funds, if a percentage of it, 1%, 0.05% is set aside and we create um, funding, you know, funding possibilities whereby micro businesses are able to tap into that to grow their businesses. Isn't that going to be a positive thing that can be done uh, as opposed to handing over the money and then I take mine, it's, it's, I've collected my money and I move on. But a joint thing where the person who is um, sending the money and the company that is being used, you know, they split a 1% and it goes into a fund. Of course, the next question you're going to ask me is who is going to manage this fund to make sure that the business that are coming vetted but it is an idea and it's a concept because at the end of the day we are talking about sustainable development not sustainable gift giving not sustainable aid and there's a lot of aid that comes into the african continent but we can see that the remittances even exceed the aid so it is possible to grow the economy it is possible to develop the country, it is possible to develop youth and children properly so that they can then add value because that is what we want for people to add value to their country, for the people to have a sense of value and for them to grow economically because that was makes them viable individuals and then they want to stay. Um, security, sorry, many people leave because of security and the challenges of underemployment and un unemployment and those have to be addressed most definitely. I'm, I'm sorry, you, uh, you brought up some oh, issues. Oh. I would like to, to make some, my comments on it. With regards to exporting the skill back, I would like to give an example. Like, for example, the project my our company was working on, the company that um, we, the OEM that we bought the machine from, one of the engineers is from Cameroon. He left when he was 16 to go to school and everything. So when he was talking, because he, he was speaking French and everything, so I actually assumed maybe he was there. He said, no, that he's a migrant, that he left there to go to school. And I said, okay, why don't you want to come back? You have worked with Rentec for 10, 15 years. You've acquired the skill. The next question he told me is that, well, if I come back, where am I coming back to? That what he does is that he tries to make sure that most of the equipment that the equipment that Rentec does, that they install it in African countries. He now ensures that he's part of the team so that he'll be able to now impact his own skill, the skills he learned from them on, on the African or rural villages in which they install those equipments. That buttresses my issue about creating opportunities. Then with regards to what Mr. Peter said about purpose, most often than not, there's a report that I am, IFAC, IFAD did, He's, they said that 50% of the remittances that come in go to the rural areas. And most of those things are to put food on the table. So unless the, uh, the, benefit, the uh, person sending the money actually specifies the purpose for which the money is sent. If they say it is for investment, they look for a company that is going to um, handle the investment opportunity like we did for our, our clients. They look for maybe other banks and say, okay, yes, this percentage, when I send this money, 
this uh, out of this money, keep it for this, keep it for cooperative. They look for maybe they are like, for example, secondary school. Like I, in my secondary school, we have an association where sometimes we want to contribute to the development of our secondary school. We'll go there. We'll get everybody around who will now contribute money. Those that don't live in Nigeria send their own part in foreign currency. That's remittance. We'll now go and build whatever um, I am building we've all agreed on. Like we, like now we are building a a spot a tennis club a tennis court in because I, my second school is FG Tiruwari. We are building a tennis court for them. Those that don't live in Nigeria have contributed their own donation to it. That is development. So unless the person sending the money actually specifies the purpose in which they are sending the money, most often than not, many of those, the recipients, will just take the money and just use it for whatever they want to. And there's also that issue about integrity. Sometimes when you give it, like you said, you give it to some people and they will, they will just pocket the money. That's why some, some people are very, very particular about sending money to family and friends. I remember a case some years ago where someone sent $5,000 to a friend. Till date, his mother didn't see the money. And the other one does not pick up his phone, does not answer anything, does not answer anybody, does not email. So everything depends on individuals also. So as we're looking at all these, we also need to take all, uh, was all the variables into place because all things being equal, Remittance should actually work for economic development, but there are other variables that affect how they are being done. I hope I was able to touch on some things being raised by Dr. Ama and Mr. Peter. Yes, the, the not picking up the phone is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very serious, I'm very, very serious. Just disappeared. Um, and he's not laughing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. and we don't even know where to, it's it's amazing how you a, an 88 year old lady his son her son sent her money and you just disappear with the five thousand dollars you don't pick for you know, it's it's baffles sometimes when people do certain things it baffles me i'm serious i i know of an instance where someone was building a house the person lives abroad and was sending money for about, I think, five years and came back and there was no house. I don't, can you but imagine? they were getting so received everything. and getting pictures with no house. So and that well, that's and that remittance like has gone remittance. somewhere. Because whereas it is building a house, it's created jobs for, if the person had actually used the money, it would have created jobs, if, not, if nothing else, for casual workers, the bricklayer will have job. The person mixing the cement will have a job. The person doing the decking will have a job. The person installing the windows will have a job. And we now have money to go and feed their own families. But people don't yeah. realize the multiply effects. Remittances have. What Peter said about education still comes in. This is where this is the gap that education has to fill. Because with, with people being able to know that these are the, this are, people don't know the implication of some of the things that they do out of ignorance, you know? So it's like taking, it's like taking the, taking the chicken that lays the golden egg and, you know, you eat it for today. You're full for today, but what happens for tomorrow? So it does a part where education plays a huge role, a huge, huge role in all of this. You're right. And, um, 
I think Dr. Arma and all of us who have lived abroad can tell you that people believe we just pluck the money and send, I'm talking about to Nigeria, and they don't believe that they need to invest or about sustainability. They just believe that money flows. And something Stanley said about the banks, when you go to the bank to collect money, they have numbers of all the malams around. <laughs> sure. I'm sorry, but sure. That's where you get your money from. I'm sorry, it's funny, but that's where you get your money from, not from the bank. I think that really has to be looked into. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, our time is just about um, up for today's discussion. And before we leave, I would like to ask each of you to uh, to share your thoughts or some ideas or suggestions of how we can add use remittances to add value to the economy and, of course, move into a sustainable um, development. So who would like to get started? Um, Stanley, Uwa? Hey. Okay, maybe, maybe Stanley, we'll watch you first. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> Don't do ladies come around. Men first. Okay, um, uh, I would say, I would say remittances, remittances as a whole, just like we, like we've rightly put out, is, is a huge tool. The, the numbers give, the numbers give credence to that as a huge tool. It's money that could be used, that comes into the country, helps the country. But much more than much more than just calling it the names that it is, and then everything that's um, that is being used for, we need to get creative. We need to think of ways of harnessing gold, harnessing harnessing other products from this gold that we have, not just in its raw form, refining the money that is coming in. How are the banks that are the recipients that are supposed to be the channel for this, enabling it and making it easier for for the recipients to get this, thereby increasing the flow, increasing the amounts that we get. Then for the people in, in the education system, how are we helping those recipients know that it's not just about receiving the money and you know squandering it. How can you put it to more productive use? So it's still on the part of the recipients, the channels that it's received, and still us that are in the country around Africa, because it's an African problem. It's when you realize issues that um, are raised, if it's the same thing happening in Nigeria, it's a similar thing happening in Ghana, Cote d'Ivoire, or Senegal. So how are the locals, how are we, how are we um, empowering the people through knowledge that you take out a portion of this personal finance, or take out a portion of this for savings, how are you taking a portion of this to create something for yourself? So that you are sustainable, so that you by yourself and your family can build from that and you know transcend that into not just you but to generations. So I think those are the two angles that I will just um that I'll speak on. Okay, thank then you. My, for me, I think what the another thing um, the government should do is they need to find tools on how to actually measure remittances. Because without these statistics from remittance, they will not be able to, they will not be equipped to make good policy decisions that can help, because what, that can help sustainable development. Because if they, they can measure, look, this is like, for example, it's like in accounting budgeting. If I don't know how much 
I'm going to supposed to spend next year, I will not know what to buy. So they, they need to find a tool in which they can measure it accurately and try to standardize, if possible, the way they come up with agreements, like in the Euro, they have the, in the European, some European countries, they have a standardized measure of uh, payments. They should, they need to do that. That's my own thing. Then they will now be able to see the multiply effect that remittances has. They will now be like um, Stanley said, they will now be able to implement it, educate people. People will no longer see it as, oh, my son is sending me $100 this week. Um, what uh, uh, material should I go and buy them around? Whose uh, wedding is there? Whose burial is there? Uh, I have to go and pay my age grade meeting. Because that is in most times what you see in most rural areas in the East anyway. Okay. Um, well, I think um, this financial education, like we all say, is what we need because be it a micro business, personal or large business, when that remittance comes, it should go to the right channel. But that being said, integrity is a big, big part of it because we all know what happens when money from abroad is sent. Um, I think Dr. Amma got disconnected. Hopefully she'll be back in a minute. Nifemi, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay. I, I just want to say... I think Dr. Amma and Nifemi are back. Okay, go ahead. Yes, on a final note, um, or rather on a lighter note, there is another act of remittance that is taking place where young Africans, you know, dupe white people for money. <laughs> and remit funds from the abroad. So I'm hoping that, you know, Am that I audible on accountability. Am I audible again? <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Oh, okay. Well, what can I say? Mike, yeah. Mike, that's, that's, that's fraud. That's not remittance. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's fraud. structure that can discourage those kind of funds because whether you like it or not, you know, the image out there of um, a, a Nigerian where you step out of, out of this country, you know, it, it continues to paint us in a, in a very bad image. Uh, let can me I, say to everyone- Before, you, before we go, can I, can I say something before we go very quickly? If, if I am audible. Yes, you're we can hear you. We can hear you. All right then. Um, I'm not sure what the others have said um, because I lost connection completely, and I'm now on a mobile phone. But I, I think it's important for us to remember and recognize that remittances are revenue to a country and also income for those who are receiving it, and it is therefore important for us to invest this money into um, the progress of individuals but also to the community and the countries in which um, these funds are going into. At the end of the day, if we're speaking of Africa, it is a young continent. There are a lot of youth members here. There's an issue of underemployment. There's an issue of unemployment. There's an issue of delayed um, completion of schooling. But most importantly, what we have here are the resources, a population that's eager to grow. And if we invest in that population using these remittances, there is no reason why the continent should not develop sustainably. And at the end of the day, let's always remember, others see the continent as a place for investment. 
um, and it is attractive to others and it should be attractive to those who reside on the continent. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that, Doctor. I don't know if, is Nifa Doctor, I, have I, no I, 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 I read, can you hear me? I read that they actually celebrate, um, I think June 16th is International Day of Family Remittance. Are you aware of oh, that? Yes, I heard that. I heard that. I have not been invited to one. Then again, <laughs> I think I, was, I, I, know that. I didn't know that. Yes, I, I saw that somewhere. But I do think that um, policies need to be tightened. Um, you know, central banks need to have conversations so that there is some uniformity in terms of how this process occurs. And um, there has to be transparency. Uh, you know, and it has to be a little bit more affordable. If it's the only way for some families to get funding, then perhaps my suggestion, my idea that some of this fund becomes some sort of uh, an overseas fund that is overseen by many, not just by a few selected. Um, it could help grow businesses on the continent. Those micro businesses could really use with an agency that is entrusted with that small um, portion that's set aside for development. Uh, this does not have to be a continent of remittances and gift giving. Um, when you look at Kenya, when you look at um, even the Philippines, when you look at other countries, India was an example that was used earlier. Um, they do get remittances, but they're also looking at their GDP in terms of that, because there has to be import and export, not just remittances coming into a country. Thank you for that. And um, I don't know if Nifemi is still there, but I thank you, um, Uwa, Stanley, Peter, and um, Nifemi, if you're still here, thank you for joining this conversation. I look forward to having further discussions on um, this type of a topic and who knows, perhaps there'll be a change that will help to improve the economic situation and stabilize the economy for further development. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Thank you, Thank have you. a lovely weekend. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, bye-bye. This has been a Thinking Reimagined podcast. The executive producer is Dr. Amma, co-producer Peter Amon Boyle, the podcast is edited by Nelkan and it is moderated by Nifemi Okuntoye. Thinking Remarchant emphasizes the importance of transformational conversations which have as their aim the bringing about of the rich diversity of thoughts and most importantly, powerful and applicable effective solutions and change. The views, opinions and contributions of the panelists are exclusively theirs and do not reflect the opinions of thinking reimagined producers or personnel. Thank, Thank you, you for listening, listening and we, we hope you have enjoyed, enjoyed this episode. episode. We invite you to subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and other outlets. We look forward to presenting another riveting episode next week. Thinking Reimagined Podcasts is produced by Live Abundantly. We welcome your thoughts and invite you to visit our website, livesabundantly.com. Or you can follow us on social media on Live Abundantly 8. Thinking, Thinking Reimagined, changing, changing the, mindset the mindset for a better, better 
Global Society.